The opinions expressed on this podcast are not necessarily those of the Northeast Ohio Regional Sewer District or its employees. For more information about the Sewer District and its projects and programs, visit neorsd.org. The Northeast Ohio Regional Sewer District presents Clean Water Works, a podcast that explores water, sewer, and stormwater issues that affect you and your community. Learn about the people, projects, and programs that are protecting your health and the environment here in Cleveland and throughout Northeast Ohio. Donna, we have a very special program today. Do we? Not one, but two Joshes. Yep. Josh Dress is the assistant manager of SSMO. Sewer system maintenance and operation, one of the departments here at the regional sewer district. Josh Jeffy is the field, field tech, tech operator. operator. Mm-hmm. And they're going to talk yes. to us about the hundreds of miles of sewers that we are responsible for and what's involved and the fun things mm-hmm. that they find. Mm-hmm. Ew. Two Joshes. Double Josh. Did not really think this through in the beginning and how confusing this might be for a podcast. <laughs> actually, actually, it's not that confusing. It's not? No. Do we, you, don't have to, you don't have to remember both of our names. I'll That's just say Josh. Right. Exactly. Do you okay. guys go by like JJ and JD or? Not, no. 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 We're getting some hard no's over here on that one. <laughs> nope. Just no. Josh and Josh. Sewer system maintenance and operation. What is the role of this department within all the different things that the sewer district does, uh, treating wastewater and... Um, taking care of the streams. What does SSMO do? We are, our crews and, and, you know, management over here at SSMO, we're we're pretty much the ones who are behind the scenes, I guess you can say, because we're underneath underneath the ground. We're managing and inspecting and maintaining the collection system, the, the main arteries that goes to the plants. So, um, you know, we're out here, making sure the collection system is running to its fullest capacity uh, and there's no dry weather overflows because that's the worst worst thing possible. Um, you know, we don't need, we can't have those. So, you know, we're, we're down there making sure our aging collection system and newer parts of our collection system are, are running as efficiently and as good as they should be. And what's a dry weather overflow? Dry weather overflow is, so kind of backing up a little bit, you know, Cleveland is a a combined sewer system. Many people don't know what that is. Many people walk by our CSO overflow signs every day and don't realize what it is. But um, Cleveland sewer system is is combined. So that means um, during dry weather, the sanitary flows in one section of the pipe and then in some spots, you know, the storm is in the same pipe as that uh, sanitary uh, flow. And during wet weather, um, a lot more water is introduced into the collection system. So then, therefore, um, the sanitary um, flow overflows into the storm, and then it goes out to the environment. Now, in a dry weather overflow, that thing is happening, but there should be no reason because there's no rain. Mm -hmm. So the system, there's an issue within the system that we will take care of. um, Some kind of blockage? Blockage. Blockage. Road collapse. Um, it could be a number of things, but that's that's on the job of our supervisors and our management team to first, you know, find uh, find out that there's an issue, and then we have to respond to it quickly. Yeah. And then too, we have a pretty a pretty robust system of our preventative maintenance that we're trying to do, and 
learning new sites that are coming online and making sure they're getting the maintenance to keep them functioning at the level they were designed and built at. There was a lot of investment you know, and what were the new things we're putting in the ground on our project Clean Lake, we're pushing that mindset of we need to maintain this, you know, this investment, make sure we're getting, you know, getting the life out of it that we got out of some of our pipes that have been in the ground for over 100 years. Um, you know, this stuff's not built to be self-maintaining. Mm-hmm. So you need these, you know, these crews of, you know, people, you know, able to able to get out there and do that work. It's really is a group effort. It's not just the staff members getting out and going to the site, but it's the staff members that get the people in the vehicles that get out to the site to respond to an emergency, to respond to a dry weather overflow, um, to respond in a storm event, to make sure a pump station stays up and running during a rain event. Crews can be called in, you know, called in from home and on call work to go, uh, you know, address a pump fail that might happen at the station. So, it's a it's a small group with a large responsibility, and the guys are very. Um, it's a it's a very dynamic staff we have in SSMO as a whole, um, you know, to basically handle this this intricate you know um, you know system that we have in place. So I want to talk a little bit about how old some of these sewers are, uh, these sewer pipes. But before we talk about that, I'd like um, our listeners to have an understanding of the difference between the pipes that we're maintaining at the regional sewer district and the local pipes that say are running from their house or down their street. Um, I think it's, uh, important for people know, to know who to call if one of those pipes has a problem and Mm -hmm. we don't handle all of those pipes, right? Yes, exactly. You know, basically you have the homeowner responsibility from the home out to the clean out, and then you have the clean out in your front yard typically, and then your connection out to the lateral. So that lateral continues, and now you're out in the public sewer. Um, if you're you know, living in the city of Cleveland, that's a WPC water pollution control asset. But then as you get into our lines, as we pick up and intercept all these neighborhood sewers, and you get into our trunk lines and interceptors, our relief sewers, now we're kind of on the highway end of it. We're really handling that large flow, conveying that, you know, conveying that to the treatment plant. We're very responsive, so we do get a lot of calls from customers, everything from drainage issues on their property to, you know, to issues with their actual sewer line. But, you know, you sum it up well that a lot of that uh, maintenance responsibility is on the city in the public right away for the city and whoever they use to do that maintenance. Mm-hmm. And then as those lines come together, it'll eventually make it to one of our intercepting pipes, one of our relief sewers. Right. So there are those large interceptor sewers that take that flow from the communities to one of our three wastewater treatment plants. So let's talk about the old sewers. Some of these sewers are over 100 years old, and they're constructed of brick. Most of them are Mm -hmm. are brick. Yeah, Um, yeah, brick. Um, And really well-done brick. Uh, Yeah, I've been in some that from 1896, 1902, um, and the brickwork is still immaculate for considering the age. Yeah. Um, so I like to take pictures of that stuff when I'm down there. Cause I have to do that anyways for inspection purposes. And, and it gives really people an appreciation. Holy cow. Like this is an old sewer. And I didn't know it was under East 40th street, but that's pretty good shape. And it's a really neat egg shaped. And, and you kind of just think about, you know, the individuals that went into, um, to building those things and, and those, those people who, Busting their knuckles and, and busting their behinds, probably not getting paid a whole lot uh, to do it, and and really, and their their work has really survived, and it's still in really good shape to this day. 
And without the technology that we have today, too. Right. It was pretty much, you know, backs and, and shovels. And yeah. you, you gain an appreciation for that, for sure. And a lot of those sewers now, like if we were to install sewers now, mostly those are precast concrete. Is that true? Yeah. Right. Yeah. So people don't really <laughs> hand lay brick sewers anymore. It's not. Mm-hmm. It's a maybe a little bit of a lost art. Yeah. And, and granted, there's still a lot of hard labor and, and, and even more planning that, that mm-hmm. goes involved for the newer stuff. Cause the stuff that we have now that's being built is much larger and much deeper. You know, those people who are building those sewers today, you know, they're, they're still hard workers and, and, uh, they, they do great work. It's just a little bit different. Yeah. One thing that I, I, that I, I just, I always get a kick out of it. I always point it out when I can is that when, when our teams design, an engineer, and then ultimately, you know, execute the plan to build a new structure. It speaks to the quality of the existing sewer because so many times we're able to basically cut that sewer and tie in this new structure right into it. You know, prime example is along uh, Superior Road where basically you have the existing interceptor that's going into a regulator that would have typically overflowed X amount of times a year. The whole Dome Valley Relief and Consolidation Sewer is a brand new sewer system that is basically built within and tucked right into and connected right to that existing sewer. So now instead of receiving flows that would have caused that overflow in years past, we now have a whole relief sewer that's capturing that flow before it even gets to the point of overflowing from that from that CSO point. And those those connections are seamless. You go from over a hundred year old construction and tie that new structure right in. The amount of stuff we're able to keep keep in use and still utilize CSO pipes. It's just I haven't gotten over yet how well we're able to just tuck these new systems right into the existing infrastructure. Um, use as much of the system that exists, improve the areas that need improvement, and add you know the features that are ultimately going to capture more CSO you know, increase water quality and, you know, just benefit everybody all around and get the best bang for the buck, you know, on money we're spending. So mm-hmm. uh, you mentioned regulators and there are some terms that are coming up that I'm sure our listeners aren't familiar yep. with. Um, there's more than just pipes down there is what <laughs> I'm getting at. There are uh, controls to uh, direct and, and control the amount of yes. water going through. Can you talk a little bit about uh, what else is down there besides the the pipes themselves? With Cleveland being a, you know, combined sewer system. You have a basically a wall or a partition wall in a sewer that's at a fixed elevation. If we have our dry weather flow is going through here, no problem. It's being conveyed to the treatment plant. Everything's great. Combined sewer system, you get a rain event. Now you have that storm, that rain water mixing with the sanitary water. If you have a gallon of sanitary water and add three gallons of storm water to it, you have four gallons of sanitary water. There's no way to say it's, yeah, it's not that bad. It's, it's together. It's going to be treated now. It's going to be conveyed. It's going to be treated. It's going to be captured. We want that at the plant. So basically what you look at is is that wherever that weir is set, that is a point in the system that they were put there on purpose, is that it's going to allow that flow to relieve itself out to one of our regulated CSO points throughout the sewer district. So these are dumping into the environment, basically. These are connections into, yeah, that might be going into the streams, some directly out to the lake, but we have them, you know, uh, we have them going up the Cuyahoga River. That's going to allow relief into the environment versus into people's homes, into Mm -hmm. people's basements and their property. So as, as unsavory as that thinking is, oh my God, it's going out to the environment. 
is that the alternative without that relief is your, you know, massive flooding issues. Um, you know, street flooding is one thing, but flooding people, you know, flooding in people's property in their basements, in their living space. Um, so, you know, the thinking back, you know, when this system was built with the combined system is, you know, allow it to get out to the environment and protect, you know, protect property. Many years later, our goal here at the sewer district to cut down on those overflows. So we've added, you know, we've added storage tunnels, we've added, uh, you know, capacity in our system. In a lot of cases, you're, we have areas where we're able to make the weir walls even higher now and ultimately capture more overflow. Um, with the addition of our tunnels, our, our deep, you know, deep storage tunnels, we're basically making it even harder for that flow to have to relieve out to the environment. And it's adding this whole another level of capture that ultimately is just year by year, month by month is driving down the amount of CSO we have in this region. Um, along with our fixed regulators, you also have your, you know, we have automated regulators in the system some with airbags that are basically set to keep the maximum amount of sewer flow in the sewer system and convey it to treatment. But in the event that that sewer is now maxed out, we've captured as much as we can and we can capture no more. The rain events gotten worse that we're, or that gate could open an airbag could deflate mm -hmm. and allow some of that to overflow into this out to the environment through a CSO point versus flooding, you know, flooding properties upstream. So these are like giant balloons uh, type structures that are in the pipes and you exactly. can inflate them or deflate them to keep, yep. to hold water back. Yes. The goal is to keep as much possible in that system before it affects, you know, before it would affect residents. We, our goal is to make sure that we are not relieving any sooner than we absolutely have to. And in those places where we do relieve, there's likely a project underway, completed, or in planning in the future, depending on what area of town you're in, that when it goes over that weir wall, it's still going to get dropped down into a tunnel. It's still going to get re-regulated. It's still going to have a chance to get stored in the system. Um, our folks here are making it very hard for CSO to get out to the environment. And and to add to that, too, not only you know these CSO um, points, these uh, regulators, they not only help to protect the residents, but it helps protect uh, the sewer district and our treatment plants. Cause if you don't have those relief points, the, the power of water is, is mighty. So you having all that pressure and all that flow going to treatment plants, you can potentially cause a lot of damage at our treatment plants. And if those go down, then that affects everyone. Sure. Um, so that, that's another level of protection too, that those relief points add. Sewer systems, especially sewer systems like ours, rely a lot on gravity. Um, and so uh, that's why, you know, our southerly wastewater treatment plant is in the valley. Our other two are right by the lake where the elevation is lower. Um, but we have pump stations. Can you talk a little bit about why we need pump stations? Yeah, pump stations, um, they're in strategic locations where um, it's at a low point in the collection system. And all the pump stations or lift stations will pump that flow uh to an upstream point, to a higher elevation, um, where it can be dropped into a gravity sewer and continue to its journey to its designated treatment plant. And our field crews, we go there every day to make sure the pump stations are, are running at 100% um, what they're supposed to be doing. 
Um, and, and like anything, you know, every day there could be issues that, that spring up, but that's, that's the, our job is to correct them. Um, and you know, you see down at, down at our pump stations on the field maintenance side, we have to go there and, and inside the structure, um, we, we have a wet well and that's where the, the flow goes into the, um, pump station. We have bar rack structures down, uh, in the wet wells that collect a lot of what you don't want in there. A lot of rags. Some of them, depending on the location, you can see some cool stuff, though. You can see some money, uh, <laughs> basketballs. One of the pumps, st- uh, station bar racks, we had a, uh, a car bumper oh. that made it through, uh, tires. Uh, so we see all kinds of fun things uh, down there. I have yet to um, take any of the money that I've seen <laughs> on the bar rack, even though I have seen some 10s and 20s. Uh, I just let those uh, pass by. Not worth it, huh? <laughs> nah, no, nah, it's not not worth it. L- let's talk about some of the uh, the problems with things that people flush down, what people should not be flushing down the toilet. Well, you know, a lot of like your, your normal stuff, like the flushable wipes, you know, that's kind of a big thing. They're, they're, yes, they are flushable. You can flush them, not recommend it. Um, but they don't, they don't go anywhere. They don't break down. So, uh, specifically for the the collection system, you know, those weir walls that we're talking about, those regulators, you know, it could be a stick just at the right angle that just got caught in between two, joints of a brick. Next thing you know, you have rags. Um, you have leaves that are getting um, hooked onto this stick. Next thing you know, it's causing a 75% blockage in that sewer, causing a dry weather overflow. Uh, and that's one thing that we want to stop that from happening. So um, yeah, that stuff, pretty much the only thing I tell people, oh, what should I do? Just flush, you know, what hap- what you nor- normally goes on the toilet <laughs> bodily body uh, bodily fluids and, and toilet paper that's it so when you go to home depot and you see the toilets with the golf balls that is false advertising don't <laughs> do not do that yeah it's, i i said a while back like you could you could flush anything and it's not doing the sewer system any any favors um there's pump stations all throughout Cuyahoga county if you live in a development that's down a hill off a main path, there's a likelihood that there may be a pump station somewhere at the back of your development. A very small pump station might be underground. It might be hiding behind some decorative shrubs or whatever. They're all over Cuyahoga County. When you come here, the sewer district's a little different. It's a it's a larger pump station, a larger bar rack. But every day, that's you know, there's a there's someone down there going and clearing that bar rack because we want to protect those pumps and those inlets to not damage a pump, to make sure the pump maintains capacity. So you put bar racks in place and there is a worker that's down there that rakes that bar rack and shovels that debris up and it, you know, gets disposed of properly. Um, but you do see, you know, nationwide just, um, you know, pumps getting choked out and damaged by debris getting attached in there that just shouldn't, should not be going in the system. Maybe you flushed it and it's not on your property anymore, but you know, rest assured, it's causing it's causing added added issues downstream. Um, and and not only that, but going back to Cleveland being a combined system, like the stuff that you find uh, on a street catch basin, mm-hmm. basketballs, you know, plastic bottles, uh, that stuff all ends up in our sewers as well. Um, so, you know. For a system like Cleveland's, the combined system, keeping, you know, litter off the street, you know, keeping catch basins clear, that's all, all that's all part of it as well, because that stuff eventually finds its way into our collection system and it causes, you know, causes problems. 
So sewer system maintenance and operation is responsible for this network of sewers. How many miles are we talking about that you're responsible for? I think it's something like 360 square miles. Linear, linear, linear miles, A yeah. length of intercepting sewers. Right. And do you get to all 300-something miles within a year? Or? Well, that's see, now when you get into intercepting sewers, the, ni- the, the nice thing with intercepting sewers is that, you know, as they were built, uh, systems are built to maintain a, like mm-hmm. a flow velocity. There's ideal, there's ideal speeds you want that sewer to flow in this right. gravity system that you mm-hmm. talked about. You don't want it too flat. You don't want to settle all your debris out. You don't want it too steep because then the water goes too fast and can actually erode the pipe and, um, you know, damage manholes as it makes its way through. So, like, you know, this magic number of two feet per second, a lot of the interceptors, the larger intercepting sewers in Cleveland are kind of designed with this concept of enough velocity and rate to keep to keep the debris moving. But then in cases you get, you know, you do get buildups and things like that. So, really, our – the like our driving focus is to keep pump stations running and operational and all the instrumentation and everything that goes along with that you have on our, you know, on our pump station side and then to maintain the flow regulators. And then, you know, that we do on a monthly basis, we're going out and checking these regulators, making sure that they're flowing properly and then all the other, you know, maintenance needs and things like that. So, you know, in terms of intercepting sewers, there's a lot of observation of those and just, inspection we've also added some features that before um you know before flow goes down into our tunnel that we screen out a lot of debris a lot of these flushable wipes a lot Mm -hmm. of the grit in the system a lot of the runoff so we have a lot of guys that are kind of focused we we're very focused on that because ultimately the more we capture near the surface 50 feet deeper so i say near surface it's Mm -hmm. still fairly deep prevents it from going 200 feet below the surface where we have to actually pump it out again to send it to treatment. And you also make use of, uh, I've seen some of the robot crawlers, uh, camera equipped Mm -hmm. robots that can go down into some of the smaller pipes. Even, Even the larger ones too. Yeah, that uh, the rovers are part of our CC, uh, CCTV uh, inspections, and that's a very important uh, part. Not only f- just doing an actual like emergency, hey, we got a water main break over on Euclid Avenue, uh, we need to go check our sewer to make sure it didn't bust out our our sanitary sewer, or just general preventative maintenance. We'll, we'll work together with the jet vac team, and and we'll put up um, you know, our our jet view, our jet scan, and and with that, the jet vac operator is able to actually see via a little screen on what he's jetting. Yeah, because the rover has a camera on it. Yeah, yeah, the rover, yeah, thank you for specifying. Uh, yeah, the rover, each each of our crawlers do have a, a camera lens on it, and then it, by cable, feeds back to the, the truck, and I got a monitor right in the truck, and that's, when I'm doing my inspections, that's where I make all my, hey, call out, here's a tap here, or here's a, a longitudinal crack at 3 o'clock, and it goes for about 50 feet, uh, and so on and so forth. You're able to make record of what you're inspecting. So maybe you see something that's not, you know, uh, you know, not troubling at the time. Maybe you put that on, you know, you up the frequency, say, let's come back and check this next year. Let's have that work order auto generate and let's bring us back and let's keep an eye on this problem. Kind of do this preventative maintenance CCTV work just to mm-hmm. know what your, how's your system working. 
what's what's our next problem that we should stay out ahead of so yeah it, it gets good eyes on problems for us the cctv equipment and you mentioned uh flow monitors earlier in the conversation this mm-hmm. is another way that the the district has eyes on what's going on there are a wide range of flow monitors they have a bubbler system a small air compressor and a line that goes down in the sewer is basically pushing an air bubble down that tube and that instrumentation in their nose by the amount of pressure it takes to push that bubble down the line into that fluid it relates back a number that tells that reads you the level. If there's 25 feet of water in the wet well, that's a good way to measure it um, through that instrumentation, and then it lets you know how either your how much flows in your system, the depth of flow. You have ultrasonic sensors, which is mounted higher in the manhole or in the sewer, and it's actually shooting a beam down, and it's sending that beam back. It's also measuring depth, and then you have flow meters that are actually installed in the pipe that are measuring depth and velocity. So now you have a situation where you are overflowing in wet weather. When this meter sees this much flow, you have a very good understanding of how much you actually overflowed in a wet weather event. You need to verify there's no overflow in dry weather, but then you also need to be able to capture this information when you are in wet weather to understand what you're really overflowing. And then too, that goes into the, you know, these flow models to understand if we're going to build a another tunnel? Are we going to build a relief sewer? There's a lot of monitoring going on in the system to just to better understand how it reacts. Are we keeping enough in the system? Are we capturing everything, you know, we we designed this to capture? And at times you come back where you find there are adjustments to be made in the system to really meet to meet our consent decree, to meet that, to meet the parameters of that construction project. Maintenance is critical, but you know, understanding and monitoring and seeing where these levels are is like, I mean, the data, there's a lot there, but it's very telling when you get into it and really look and see how, you know, how does the system react in a given rain event? And then along with that, you also have rain gauges throughout the system that are spread out throughout the sewer district service area. Um, Where did we get the rain? Did we get a lot of rain on the east side versus almost no rain on the west side? It's you could watch, you could really see how the weather hits us. Um, and again, that's that's all part of that piece of is the system doing, you know, what we need it to do. Can you talk a little bit about wildlife? What are what are some of the critters? Who's living down in the sewers? Preferably the living critters. <laughs> oh, geez. Um, in our pump stations, found snakes before that have gotten in there. Me, I'm, I'm a wildlife um guy so i try to save as many as possible you know any toads um, toads yeah crayfish, toads. yeah those those have ended up in our pump station wet well so i try to save those i actually actually out in the system you know every once in a while you you'll see um a rat here and there um cockroaches here and there in in our in our pipes i think they're there's so much velocity and it's constant movement and they're big. So you don't, yeah, you don't see as, as many, Mm -hmm. um, where we run into the wildlife is actually on the surface. Um, we have a lot of, um, routes that go through the Cuyahoga Valley national park, uh, CVI Cuyahoga Valley interceptor. And, and there, you know, you're running into all kinds of things. Um, deer, obviously raccoon, coyote, 
Um, the ticks by the CVI for some reason are just Oh my gosh, ridiculous. it's been a bad year for ticks. I had one in my ear, on oh. my leg. Like, it was terrible. So oh, it's, thank you. When you have that, it's rough sleep at night. But um, <laughs> yeah, just when we, uh, Stickney Creek, when that project was completed, you know, we have a, oh, yeah. a, a portion of the sanitary sewer mm-hmm. that was redone, kind of moved over a little bit. So we had to inspect that. I think you were there. Were you there with that coyote that was just yep. hanging out at the end? Yeah, oh, down really? in the, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was just waiting for ducks to get on shore. And that kind of stuff's really cool to see. And, and you know, even when you're out and about, you're driving. Like, you're driving down um, Martin Luther King Drive through the Cultural Gardens, and you'll see a couple bald eagles up in a tree. You know, they're making a comeback, and part of the reason is because of the water quality that we have around here. That You know, we have a lot of fish. Um, that are coming back. So that that's just kind of great for wildlife in itself. So if you're seeing that, you know, it all leads back to kind of water quality and kind of what we're doing here at the sewer district. So it all ties in. We have a stretch of sewer, the Northwest Interceptor, which think of uh, it running, you know, start at like the south end of Rocky River Drive, run north. Mm. And then kind of when you start hitting that Lakewood border and it juts through, the Northwest Interceptor just very much falls the border of Cleveland. And within there, it's a pretty good-sized pipe, but we have what they're called hydro breaks. They're basically mm-hmm. walls that are built up about yeah, 60% the height of the sewer, and then there's a cone on there. They're they're in place to slow the flow down and then to help store flow. Well, part of the inspection is you climb down, come down the manhole, you've climbed about 85 feet down. Now you're in this 10-foot diameter pipe, and you basically step off the rungs, and you're kind of on top of this wall standing in the sewer. Mm-hmm. You still got a hand on the rungs. You're still hooked up. I mean, if you fall, you're going to be okay. You have all your... Right, you have a harness on. Yeah. Right, yeah. To, you have everything in place you need. But I tell you what, you step off there and you put your foot on that on top of that wall and a rat comes over the top and like crosses your foot and then just jumps into the flow going the other way, that will that will get you. And that got me. And I think he was out there. I was I went down, yeah, I was uh, but the guys were up top and they... Um, I, I came up and I'm like, did you did you hear like all that? They're like, we heard something. They could have probably had the phone out ready to record. And then you're never going to live that one down. <laughs> Joshua Dress and Josh Jeffy, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for having us. It's been fun. Did you know eligible customers can save up to 40% on their sewer charges? Learn more about the Sewer District's cost-saving programs and use our discount calculator at neorsd.org save or call 216-881-8247. That's neorsd.org save or 216-881-8247. Clean Waterworks is produced by the Communications and Community Relations Department at the Northeast Ohio Regional Sewer District. Our music was composed and performed by G.S. Shrey. If you have a question or suggestion, or if you'd like to learn more about the Regional Sewer District, visit neorsd.org or call 216-881-8247.